Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Caraway. And Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? Amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's M Amazing Radio. I am your host, Dr. Law. With me, Lavender Gooms. Much like uh, UFC 1, we are unedited, uncensored, and unleashed. Unedited is pretty fair. representation of what I do when this is over. Uh, also with me, DJ Mark. Yeah, and on that, I just want to welcome you to Google's Arena. Oh, no, I screwed up that. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Back, son. You gotta go watch that intro. Dude. You know what? If I cool. was, uh, if I was musically inclined, or not even musically inclined, competent with humming, I would hum the old UFC theme for you. Can't do that. But you, uh, if you watched the UFC card this past weekend, you got to enjoy some of that. Kid Presentable is joining us shortly, depending on um, how the Fruit Vale Bart Station treats him and how quickly he can get out of that bitch. Uh, right, it's that one too. It's that one you heard about. What? They made the movie about it. No, I didn't hear what you said. That was my bad. Uh, we're gonna, but he'll join us shortly. Um, we're gonna talk about UFC uh, Denver, which was the 25th anniversary show. Which today, as we record this on November 12th, Happy Veterans Day. First off, to everybody, uh, thank you to all who served. Um, Want to wish, but everybody, wish everybody Happy Veterans Day. But today is the 25th anniversary of UFC One. Um, we're gonna get into that. Talk about some of uh, so well, where some of those guys are now. Like, I already blew Mike's mind earlier when I told him what uh, Taylor Tui was up to. Uh, I'll see to share that with you guys in a bit. Um, first off, wanna just uh, three of our four people, they're the four people living who are on this podcast live in California, and um, the hellscape that is uh, Paradise, California, or was Paradise, California now. It's fucking tragedy with all these fires. Uh, it's, I mean, we're sitting. I'm sitting here bitching about like it's smoky outside and shit. But people lost their homes and stuff. Not only that, there's uh, what's going on near Thousand Oaks and Malibu and SoCal, and way more people live there. But uh, just wishing everybody all the best. Um, they found 13 more bodies in Paradise and Magalia, making this fire up here with 42 deaths the deadliest wildfire in United States history. So maybe um, president can stop talking about force prevention, get off his fucking ass and help some people out. But anyway, um, let's just pile on the sadness. I want to put it out there right now. Um, we lost Stan Lee today, and we'll talk about later in the show at the end um, some of his importance. But just, you know, put, put that at the beginning right there. Rest in peace to Stan Lee, who had a profound impact on everybody here's childhood and, quite frankly, American culture over the last – he's been, did it for at least 50, 60 years, right? Right, Mike? Yeah, if I'm right, uh, Fantastic Four was launched, I think, in 1961 or 62. I mean, so, man's 95. He made it to 95. So, yeah, he did it. Fucking 20th century was his. Um, all right. Uh, first off, Marcus, last week I told you, man, there's no fucking way Floyd Mayweather's fighting this Japanese kid. And you said, you bit into it hard. And you were looking at me uh, like, like I was crazy to the point that when I was done talking to you, I was like, man, Mark's pretty, you know, his head's normally right on with this stuff. Maybe I'm being too cynical. 
Man, I was being just cynical enough, apparently. <laughs> I mean, I think my my barometer on fact and fiction and what's bullshit is just I, I can't use it anymore, Bob, because we have Trump as president. <laughs> Floyd just fought Connor. <laughs> Everything I thought was unreal is happening. So when you throw the the lure out there that Floyd's gonna fight some wonderkin Japanese kid in a some kind of crazy mixed rules, I'm like, well, they held they held a press conference. Why would they make all that bullshit up? And it, I think your your claim that this could all just be getting some publicity, some wolf tickets kind of scenario. I, I mean, turns out to be true in this in this case. It doesn't yeah, going to fight that kid, which in retrospect makes a world of sense. Even when we were talking about it, it as like there's a lot of questions that need to be answered. And like, most of why is he doing this? Where's the money coming from? Um, those were the way, those were the two main ones. Why and where's the money coming from? But they kind of yeah. go together, I guess. I just, <laughs> I just I wanted it, Bob. It just it sounded so fun. It seemed like Floyd was on the the war path of just selling out his career to make some big bucks at the end. Which hey, I'm all for, buddy. Especially you're going to be doing crazy shit like this. But yeah, it doesn't turn out that's going to be the case. That uh, fight was never finalized. Yeah, but. I guess. I mean, Flo don't, I don't buy Floyd's bullshit. Like I went there, just I don't know why I was there. Almost Floyd acted like he was just walking around Japan, and he just happened to stroll into a press conference, and he just was like, he went Mr. Bean and was just like. I'm gonna act like I belong. Like that's the way Floyd is explaining what happened here with. Uh, I'm supposed to stand next to this Japanese kid. Uh, yeah, here like we're gonna promote a fight or something. And like and like literally, Ryzen is just like whatever, man. Like Ryzen had got out of this thing oh, wonderfully. Ryzen Ryzen got the pub they wanted, and as I told you guys last week or the week before, I follow Floyd Mayweather, and I've noticed over the last few months he has spent. An inordinate amount of time in Japan for a man who I'm assuming is not very well cultured. Because God, for what other reason would Floyd Mayweather be in Japan? Mm -hmm. So the amount of times he's been in Tokyo, yeah, there's no way that this is like some miscommunication happened or some shit. He tried to give the excuse that, oh no, this is just supposed to be a private exhibition with a bunch of businessmen. Yeah. yeah, what the fuck is that shit? Don't argument any better. You know, people say Floyd Mayweather is always running out of money. Shit, if anything, that's a better indication. Like your lie is a better indication of how broke you are if you're trying to be there, like having an exhibition fight amongst probably like oil sheiks or something. Yeah, I, I mean, mean that's funny I mean, shit. I, I, I don't, really don't want to see that fight. <laughs> uh, by the way, I don't want to hear it from people with like the mythical boogeyman that is the Japanese yakuza that somehow they got to Floyd and Floyd had to do the press conference. Cut the fucking shit, people. This isn't a goddamn movie. All right, just because it's Japanese MMA and a couple people were found, you know, hung up in a shower uh, in a bathroom doesn't mean everything ends with a fucking yakuza. Floyd, I don't know, man. He got his name out there. I don't exactly understand to what end, ultimately. I mean, because just because we I mean, I think he's just working off the assumption that we're all a bunch of fucking morons in MMA and we just want to see him get his ass kicked. So do uh, do you want to log how much time we spent talking about him last week? I think he has his pegged pretty right. Dude, yeah, it's I mean, by the way, I, I like Bobby's question like ultimately what is he gaining because it's like he can have us talking about whatever he wants whenever he wants you know after after he fought connor that opened the floodgates to he could say any crazy shit and i'm a little less likely now after last week to well do you know you know what it is that uh the floyd habib thing was real i guess in that habib wanted it and still wants it 
which I brought it up last week. All you motherfuckers who thought we're going to get a lightweight champion that's about honor and martial arts. And sure, he's not, he just wants his brother to fight in the UFC. So he'll, he does, he's not about it for the money. All of a sudden, this motherfucker won't fight for 50, less than $50 million and wants to fly, fly, fight Floyd Mayweather. So anyway, um, apparently that was real. Maybe Floyd is thinking, hey man, Khabib's going to get suspended. Let me keep my name out there with the MMA people or something. I don't, maybe, I, don't I don't, or maybe. Yeah, it's not like, oh, yeah, the, the greatest boxer of all time. We're just going to forget, like, oh, that guy exists, and he talked about this a year ago. It's like, no, dude, we'll remember. I mean, I so, weird. the whole scenario is weird. I don't know what anyone was thinking, uh, but there was obviously – I mean, I know what Ryzen was thinking. Ryzen's like, Floyd Mayweather wants to do a press conference with us. Everybody get out the good plates. I mean, that's what yeah, Ryzen was weird. thinking. <laughs> yeah, I mean, by the way, don't come at me with – Oh, he saw the kid's highlight reel after the press conference, and now he doesn't want to fight him. I'm like, come on, man. This was just going to be a boxing match. All right? That's what I think it was going to be, a fucking yeah. boxing match. Floyd Mayweather may be illiterate, but he's not stupid. All right? He for sure watched the highlight reel before the press conference. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, all right, I'm not going to let this kid kick me. Right on. <laughs> We're going to be boxing. Um, UFC 2,562. Whatever this fight night event was, um, that happened one thirty nine. Uh, was fight night one thirty nine? Yeah, because the next one's one forty. That's how it works, Bobby. Thank you, Mike. I I appreciate. I was actually trying to look up the sheer how many UFC events there have been. Period. Um, someone Google that while we're talking here. But this event was headlined by Yair El Pantera Rodriguez and the Korean Zombie Chan Sung Jung. Um. In what was the fight of the year, in my opinion, because I don't know which if Justin Gaethje fought one this year that was better than this. Maybe. What is who's Justin Gaethje beat up this year? <laughs> Someone who beat up Justin Gaethje. No, Let's be honest. That's the only events there have been. That's yeah, the, there's been 456 held in 147 cities in 24 countries um i don't remember justin gaethje's last fight he had to win well he killed vic in like a minute no you know what that poirier one was real good that's the mm -hmm. other contender for fight of the year I mean, I, I, i'm a i'm a little sensitive to just call this the fight of the year just coming yeah off i mean team. honestly I it, remember what other fights we've had we've had some good ones but this i mean like that's true we had the ho-hum weidman and uh jacare one or what did you call it mike oh, yeah. No, nothing to write home about on that one. Yeah, what would you call it, Mike? Was it ho-hum or something? What was the... Ho-hum. Yeah. <laughs> ho-hum. No, uh, that's fair. If Okay, it was very clearly one of the uh, fights of the year and what will probably... I'm going to go probably be knockout of the year. Um, Marcus, Yair Rodriguez, Chan Sung Jung. Zombie did zombie. Kept walking him down. And uh, once you give people a rough breakdown of what happened here... <laughs> I mean, it, it was a really closely contested match, and uh, both these guys got banged up pretty good. Uh, yeah, year I think early on, uh, we, we mentioned it earlier, Bob, when we were talking, he landed some low kicks. Uh, Korean Zombie just got off a knee injury. That's probably not a horrible strategy to kind of slow him down. But um, my big takeaway with this fight was there was a lot of them just standing in front of each other. And I don't even mean just, like, just standing in front of not doing anything. Like, literally flat-footed frozen in front of each other for like seconds before they move which is very kind of odd um i would expect uh yair to use a lot of movement to try to create those openings but he seemed perfectly happy to kind of stand in front of a uh, korean zombie and exchange blows and my main criticism with korean zombie and i think it's kind of a tough one um i think this fight was close i think he could have done a lot better if he pushed the pace more 
Um, which is which is a hard criticism because it's not like this guy wasn't pushing the pace during the fight. He was very active uh, throughout the whole fight. But there was a lot of times where I just felt he was letting off the gas a lot. I think a lot of times he was letting uh, uh, Rodriguez kind of take center stage, let him get off his techniques, giving him the space where he's able to throw his kind of fancy techniques. But ultimately, this was just a, a throwdown for five rounds. I think that's another thing I, I kind of thought about in this fight, too, is like I felt bad for I think. At the end of this fight, you kind of feel bad for Zombie because, one, he put on a fantastic performance with uh, Yair in a super close fight. And the ending is obviously the thing that kind of overshadows the rest of the uh, the fight with the fantastic kind of ducking up elbow that um, Yair was able to land on a Korean Zombie in literally the last second to steal that fight away from him. Um, but just looking at Korean Zombie, I felt bad that... I think this was a better stylistic matchup for him than Frank Yeager was, which he was originally slated to fight. But I think it's tough having these big, long layoffs. And the dude keeps getting thrown in in five-round fights. I'm just like, maybe in retrospect, we should have thrown him a three-round fight just because we know how tough he fights and the war he gets into. Maybe not from there, but of the echelon to be in a main event. right? Yeah, so. that's that's fair. I mean, you know what? I mean, he. I, I agree with everything you said. He was winning on two of the three judges' scorecards. He was up 3-1. Um, I was surprised how long it been since we seen Yair fight. Because well, Yair, Yair had that whole exchange where he kind of got fired. Yeah, and God, in what a turnaround a fight does, right? Because literally, UFC was like, I don't, we don't even want to deal with this kid. He and he, they, the brass kind of had the mentality that a lot of the fickle fans do is like, oh, God, Yair just lost to Rodriguez. He's no good. I mean, to Edgar, he's like, he's no good. Let's just get rid of him. He's too yeah, much like, like who, who is he to dictate terms to us? That type of shit. Yeah. And and now it's like, well, I'm glad you didn't because you just got, you know, a fantastic, you know, fight of the year, easily knockout of the year. You got that highlight reel. You're going to be able to play over and over again for years to come. Because, I mean, I, and I think we should now kind of discuss the knockout. It was – and I want to discuss the last round too because I thought that was really interesting. There was a lot of – and I don't mind the – showmanship the respect of hugging your opponent maybe after the last round but there was in this last round there was a lot of let's put our hands together let's not not even just kind of hug each other and cheer about how great this fight is but like in that last 10, 10 seconds the korean zombie literally puts his arms down he's like we're taking a minute we're taking a second break here it's like <laughs> no i don't like this shit. It's like let's have both guys mentally agree that yeah we're gonna take five seconds to kind of catch our breath here um but ultimately the the ending sequence um korean zombie Tries to finish the the last round strong is kind of raging um, against Yair. He throws a jab. He faints right hand. He steps in deep to another jab, which overextends himself. That's where uh, Yair dips down and throws this upward elbow, like reverse upward elbow. It's just it's weird. It's the only time I've ever seen this technique. I was the only time I've ever seen it hit clean, and it just obliterates Korean Zombie. He. Went down. I just I've been describing it as he looked like a woman from was it like the, the 1900s that got the vapors. His <laughs> arms literally went over his head, and by the time he falls down, he's face first. Hands are at his side. It was a whole like oh. dude. I thought like I thought he was hurt the way his head like bounced. Like he landed like chin on mat. Like he, not, the way he fell was stunning. Was you know concerning about how you fall face first like that without your. I mean, it's usually when guys are knocked cold. You can't brace yourself for the fall, and you just go head first. It yeah. was a brutal knockout to a brutal fight. You have to give Yair all the um, credit in the world for pulling out a fantastic technique literally at the last second. You can't script shit like this better. Um, 
what a great feather on the cap of their 25th anniversary event. I thought it was really Yeah, cool. that was almost too appropriate. Mike, um, I contend, and you tell me if I'm wrong here, in your opinion. Because um, this, this was brought up when Derek Lewis lost to Daniel Cormier. Um, is that his brand, like who Derek Lewis is as a fighter, um, didn't suffer too much in, with him losing that fight. Not saying competitively, but his brand. And it's something people say about the Diaz brothers. I think Korean Zombie's brand of style and his style of fight, while he's still very much a contender, I think his why people watch Korean Zombie was able to take that hit of a loss. Basically, Yair needed that win more than he did, I think. What do you think? Yeah, you know, Korean Zombie, he's not the best fighter in the division or maybe even in the top five. But he has the mix that makes, I think, for a star. He has a catchy name. He's an exciting fighter. He's always moving forward. He is unpredictable and explosive enough that he can catch you with some shit, i.e. the twister against Leonard Garcia. Mm. And people just flat enjoy watching him. And one thing that's great about that and this is also the case with Derek Lewis, is that what that allows is that these people go on a two-fight win streak, three-fight win streak. People will want to see them fight for the title because they like them and they want to see them do well. Um, Steph, no, you didn't see the fight, but um, I was talking to Mark about this earlier today, how Korean Zombie's not not old by any, by any measure, but we've, like... He's fought, was it, two times since 2013. Some of that was military service, but it's almost like we've lost a good chunk of this young man's career. Because if you think about it, like he lit, he basically missed Conor McGregor as a as like a featherweight. Like that's how long he was gone. The whole build up to that. I mean, what do you what do you think about me? You know, he's fighting very infrequently. He's getting hurt a bunch, but. I guess where do you think he goes from here? I guess a little bit I'm trying to be a little more open ended about it, but um, yeah, I don't mind him missing the Conor McGregor train because he would have Conor would have been a horrible matchup for him, <laughs> uh, as big of a payday as that could have been. But um, I think Mike nailed it on the head. He's a fan favorite fighter. It doesn't take a lot for the momentum train to get behind this guy, right? Um, he's always going to be a fan favorite, so you're going to want him to be in that title scene. And when he wins, he wins convincingly, which is one of the keys, right? The guys who need to stay undefeated are the boring ones, right? The grinders, the ones who eke out decisions. When Zombie wins, it's usually in spectacular fashion, and that's always what makes you jump ahead of guys in line. Um, yeah, we we lost, you know, we lost part of his twenties. That's the prime physical time of life. So, you know, sure, we definitely did. He has been injured, but um, in the fight game, I think we see time and time again the number one barometer is fight mileage. Um, he's not that shop worn in that regard. Yeah. This was a brutal knockout. Yeah, he's been in some wars, but they are intermittent, and he's he's not putting up just a pure volume of fights, right? He's not taking, like, five short-notice fights a year. So in that sense, I'm not really worried about his longevity. You know, like, I think he, he definitely could get a run. And, like, again, like Mike said, a run for him is two to three, and he, he's back in, you know, back in business. And who's to say? He gets a top-ten opponent, and he knocks them out, you know, like the way he did Bermudez or someone. He's right on the cusp again so um you know and besides there's so many other injury prone guys it just takes a short notice vice to be in the right place at the right time and you can vault a lot of people 
Yeah, and I think even Korean uh, Zombie, I think on Facebook he had a, a post today saying that he was really um, uh, embarrassed by the knockout. And what I saw from a lot of the, the comments was that he shouldn't feel embarrassed. He should feel dis- disappointed in what happened, but he shouldn't feel embarrassed because he, he gave a great fight. And all the stuff that Steph and Mike said, I just I, I think rings true as well. This guy is a star in the fans, and this this loss, while a difficult pill for him to swallow, I'm sure... Um, I don't think he lost nearly as much credit with the fans as, as I'm sure he thinks he has, right? I, I'm sure right now he's thinking, like, people probably think I'm a joke. I haven't been fighting frequently, and I fight this guy that everyone thought I was supposed to win, and I get knocked out with this weird technique. And, I mean, when you look at that knockout, it's just a brutal one, right? We've seen a lot of brutal knockouts like um, King Mo when he got knocked out with Emmanuel Newton, and, you know, he goes stiff like that. There's a lot of knockouts that you look at and you're like, that's kind of, I mean, fighting is kind of embarrassing. When you get knocked out or beat up or just demolished by a dude, it's humbling to an extent that we don't know, right? Because I don't have any, there's no footage of me getting knocked out silly in the cage. I don't have to deal with that kind of, how do you know what you call it? That kind of knowledge people would have about my personal life. or what? I don't even know what I'm even trying to, to get no, at you, here, I see but. what you're saying, man. Like, yeah, it's, you're vulnerable as shit. Quite right, frankly. but but he should not feel yeah, um, of course not in, embarrassed. He should feel disappointed because that was a fantastic fight, right? And hopefully the the fight of the night money helps soothe that a little bit. But I'm sure, and, and really, I think for me, honestly, and I think a lot of us will agree. I hope this kind of sets a, a, a fire under him to get him back in there more frequently to fight more often because I think that's what he needs right now more than any. I mean, obviously, he needs time to recoup and, and recover fully, but I think he needs to get back in there get a good solid performance in there, hopefully a win, and he can kind of put this this fight behind him and move forward. And I think the longer he has to wait for a fight, the harder and the longer this is going to linger in his his mentality, right? I kind of hope he can get a fight in early 2019 and kind of move on past this, you know, k- kind of tough knockout for him. Yeah. Um, and, and, and if I just may interject God, one Fucking thing. Mike, man. The second Mark said King Mo and Emmanuel Newton, Mike looks at me because Mike laughed harder that he's the only time mike laughed harder was when fucking kimbo and dada fought and man Look. almost died all right so- let, me, let me tell you something korean zombie has no reasons to be embarrassed by that knockout it was a freak knockout no one knew what the hell happened until like the third time watching the replay king mo on the other there hand. there we go now that shit was funny okay <laughs> He thought he was Floyd Mayweather, and he deserved that that down goes Frazier type knockout. All right, he <laughs> fell like a giant oak tree. It was funny. That's right, folks. Mike was re- Mark is all heartfelt with this shit. Mike's like, "Yo, it was funny when that dude got hit right in the face." Well, I, 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 it, there's a reason why I picked that one. I knew Mike had you know, <laughs> history with it. He could relate. He literally to that, starts like yeah, that I, reference. He just I just look over and I'm like, I see the little picture of him, and I'm like, oh, Mike's laughing already. All right, um, Cowboy Cerrone, Mike Perry. Um, I'm the only one who picked Cowboy, but I'm not going to toot my horn too much because as everybody in the group chat knows, when Cowboy showed up with a depression beard on Wednesday, I thought, oh, fuck, Cowboy's not into this. Um, I guess my original analysis of Cowboy is just angry at this camp thing. He's going to win the fight. 
Marcus, the fight hit the mat, and Cowboy's rage took over. Like, he was going home with an arm or a neck or something. Well, yeah, I think, I mean, I, I know I, I like, I kind of favored Perry in this because I like how he's been improving under um, Winkle John and, and the whole crew that used to train uh, Cerrone. But once it hit the mat, it was like, oh, yeah, there's this whole other part of mixed martial arts that Mike is not nearly as good as Donald Cerrone is, and this could be trouble. Um, but ultimately, we saw Mike Perry survive on the ground for a good while with uh, Donald Cerrone. I mean, Cerrone had his back. Mike was able to shuck him off. And, and the big mistake was that when he shucked him off, he should have gone right the fuck back up and stood with him. But feeling confident that he could maybe do some ground and pound with Cerrone, he hung out in that guard for way too long. And that's just a place where Donald Cerrone, he knows how to snap up submissions really well. He's been doing it th throughout his career. And especially in the guard with the armbar is one of his go-tos. And, um, you know, he snacked it up with Mike really fast. And, and Mike was doing the proper techniques to escape that armbar from that position. He just wasn't hitting them fast enough. And he kind of got stalled when he was trying to rotate his body around Donald Cerrone. And Cerrone really, you can, you, you can see it in the replay, arches his hip, hips up. He still had the elbow and the thumb in the right position to get the extension, uh, the overextension on the uh, on the elbow and was able to finish that submission. And uh, did, do we know, did, did Mike Perry actually break his arm? I know there was talk that he might have. Well, Mike, Perry says, Mike and, Perry says he broke his arm. Well, I mean, you think he would know um, if anyone, but. So uh, a couple things were great. Cowboy bringing his baby into the cage and that baby being the most chill baby ever. That was adorable. Um, and then Mike, then Donald Cerrone didn't say anything about the camp thing. Said he's going back to 155. Seems like a right move. I like Cowboy 155 because at this point, I just want Cowboy to be motivated for fights. You know, not that I don't think he's good at 170, but I, you know, 155 means he has to get in a camp, actually. You know, doesn't just go jet skiing. Then uh, Mike Winklejohn. Couldn't let it be and decided to show who was the asshole in this feud, which was impressive given that the other person in the feud is Donald Cerrone. Um, and Mike Wilkinson talked about went on a whole rant about this guy being a cancer in our gym and yada, yada, yada. And I just wonder if Michael Wilkinson, if his, if his guy had won this fight, you know, he would have said the same shit or not. But he proper embarrassed himself this morning. So good for him. Um Raquel Pennington just didn't have it, huh, Marcus? I mean, we don't have to get into every one of these fights, but Raquel Pennington just didn't have it, huh? No, yeah, and that's kind of what I was concerned about going into that fight is just the Nunes fight really, I think, it looked like it mentally kind of took a toll on uh, Pennington. I, I thought um, Durandamine was technically going to be a little too skilled for Pennington to really be successful, and, and, and part of that played into this fight too. I think Pennington not making the weight um, really kind of sealed the nails in the coffin before the fight even started about where Pennington kind of was in her head. Um, but I think on a tech, on a technique level, um, Durandamine stand-up was just a little too crisp. She was landing the better strikes. And Pennington definitely had some avenues to victory. She was controlling the clinch against the cage pretty well, but she couldn't convert that into takedowns. She couldn't convert the takedowns into ground and pound into stealing rounds away from Durandamine. So um, she just kind of got outstruck. And, and mostly what I saw in this fight was just not a invigorated Pennington, but she still seemed a little defeated from the Nunez fight. So well, I she really showed up. Can... She showed up three or four pounds. I, I said it the other day. It was when two she... pounds over, right? Because she had to make thirty-six. It wasn't a title fight, so she didn't have to make thirty-five. She had to she make. She came 36. in. Yeah, she came. I mean, one thirty-eight. So yeah, two or three pounds, depending. Yeah, on how you which is at. which is a lot, you know. And I guess I heard too that when she failed, she did not want to try to attempt to lose the weight. She knew she couldn't make the weight because I think she weighed in. Because I think uh, one of the other girls, um, Marcy, I think she overweighed a pound or two, and they allotted her more time to 
to hit the weight and she did yeah i guess, I guess uh, rocky was just to. done cutting at that point um, yeah it's just it's sad i really want hopefully her next fight is against someone who i think she stylist stylistically matches up a little bit better with and she can kind of show us she might have needed so more time she might have needed more time off that was yeah that too look. it was a quick turnaround so um, you didn't even remember Darius fighting, which tells you. I literally like I can't. I, I'm looking in my mind, and there's 15 minutes of blank space that I'm missing. So um, sorry. Macy Barber came out of this card looking real good. Marcus, yeah, talk about her performance. Yeah, you know, I mean, over. I watched this whole card, and the first fight with Luis Pena was kind of a throwaway. That that's a guy I trained with, um, uh, Habib. There wasn't really much to say with that fight, but this Marcy Barber fight I, I i had no idea who either of these women were and um this is the thing i talk about a lot of times when we do our predictions and there's two fighters i'm not really familiar with i always say like hey this is a great opportunity for you to have me remember who you are as a fighter by putting on a, a spectacular performance and that's exactly what macy barber did this girl is a killer she's out for blood um her elbow standing and on the ground are fucking vicious and i don't know much about hannah uh cyphers I guess she, you know, has a storied history in kickboxing, but um, sh she looked a little uh, frazzled to be in there with Macy. But um, this fight really put Barbara on the map for me. I, I think she looks spectacular. And um, at women's strawweight, there isn't a ton of girls that get finishes. And she's got a finish here. And I guess she was on the Dana White fight show, whatever they're calling that thing. And she finished a girl there, too. So... And what I saw is this girl's a killer. She really knows how to put him away. Um, spectacular ground and pound and really good stand-up too. Um, someone that I'm personally going to be keeping an eye on. Next time she's on a card, I'm going to be excited because she really delivered in this fight. Nice. Uh, big performance for her. Um, I think she was on Ariel's show today talking about it too. So getting more publicity for her. Um, yeah, UFC was in Denver, man. They didn't, they didn't do it at... Um, uh, the, what's the name of the fucking place they did it at, Marcus? Help me out. Oh well, they they, they did talk about it. McNichols Arena it's doesn't gone. exist. Yeah, anymore, it's, so it's in the park. Difficult. It's in the parking lot of the football stadium, right? That's yeah, and they was. shot some footage there in the, in the parking lot. Like this is where Dude. this is where the guy called it McNichols Arena, <laughs> which is still <laughs> my favorite thing from UFC One. Um, is like we are live in five seconds. This dude already fucked up what the arena is called. <laughs> we are go, baby. Um, where, uh, that was, you said it earlier, that was a proper ending for the 25th anniversary show to put on a fight like that between Yair and, uh, and Zombie. Um, big win for Cerrone, who, by the way, is the all-time leader in wins now. And finishes. And finishes. He got a lot of records on that win. Yeah, considering we saw his first UFC fight, that was in February of 2000, I turned 25, so... 2011, that was when we saw Cowboys' first fight um, against Paul Kelly or Paul Taylor. I was mixing up. Which yeah. the balls. And I, I think in retrospect, not too surprising that this guy has those records. A guy that really fights all the time and he's winning a lot more than he's losing. Um, couldn't give more credit to the guy, really. You know, he's just a guy that goes in there. He does this thing, win, lose, or draw. He always puts on a great performance. And more often than not, he wins. And more often than that, he also finishes guys. So, uh you know, good records for um, <clears throat> Donald Cerrone. But I did want to hint on one thing that really made this event fun. And you mentioned earlier, oh, uh, yeah. Bobby, the, the, all, all the throwback stuff was as an old as, as someone that watched the old UFCs um, was really fun. Um, the old graphics, I thought I, I, I remember at one point uh, Christine walked in and she saw the um, the canvas had the old UFC logo. And she's like, that logo is so dumb. And I was like, 
I'm loving yeah, every Yeah, the bit logo of this was the best right fucking now. part, man. The logo I mean, was awesome. I think for me, what I liked even more than the graphics and the logo was just the little things like, boom, boom. Oh, yeah, the music. That was one Their little UFC. Oh, I just remember like that. Because that was literally the walkout music to every person. Yeah, oh, that yeah. That was the walkout music. That was the tale of the day. That was literally, they, they licensed one song and they really ran to the ground. And it's great. Yeah, dude, that was, it was great. It was it was better than the shit they do now. It was really fun. <laughs> and, and I'm glad they kind of, this is a special event. It's just a one-off thing. They're not going to be doing all this all the time, but it was really fun. I thought that was a really nice touch on the event. Um, and uh, if people didn't see the Korean zombie, Yaya Rodriguez in the hospital picture, um, cheap plug for the It's I'm Amazing uh, Instagram account. Follow It's I'm Amazing Radio on Instagram for... It, it was very John Jones, yeah. Alex Gustafson. Yeah. Except they look they looked less on their deathbed in this one. That one I don't know, Zombie's face looked fucked yeah, up. Yeah, it, like, it looked like he was less beat up and he had like some horrible disease. Well, the, the, the Jones Gus was in what? Jones had like a heart monitor thing on. That's true. They were all hooked but, up. Like, but Gus, but Gus was standing, and I thought Gus looks worse than Jones. He looks like he's a zombie. <laughs> um all right. Um uh, the only news this week, and Steph, you missed us talking about how Floyd Mayweather lie to everybody look like a schmuck great you know all that bullshit um i don't think anything else much happened um ufc celebrated 25th anniversary oh yeah they cut a whole bunch of flyweights that's the thing if you're a flyweight coming off of a loss and you got a missed call from your manager guys i got some real bad news all right you no longer are employed um they cut jose shorty torres uh scoggins they're pretty much everybody's got a loss. They, uh, if you're coming off a win, they don't cut you. It's in your contract, apparently. Oh, nice. Um, so, so you can move up to 35 or get the fuck out. <laughs> they, uh, yeah, they are. It's Conor McGregor's tweet about how the, this is the one FC guy's fault for taking Demetrius. And now he has to take all the other flyweights. I feel Conor's anger is misguided at best. Uh, this is Dana that, White's that's fault. Like, that's like I traded a game into GameStop and the store closed and he's blaming me. And it's like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> I did one purchase here. That's a whole business. There's a lot more going on over yeah. there. Please yell at them. Um, it'd be nice if they got all these guys, but we'll see what how, how it works out for them. Um, but yeah. Um, and then it's not even clear what's going on because now the rumor is that DJ uh, TJ wants to fight Cejudo at 125 because TJ wants two belts. And shit, he has not even defended. He has to make 125 one time and beat Cejudo. Um, Cejudo, on the other hand, says his contract says he fights at 125 pounds. And if that means he's got to leave the UFC, he's got to leave the UFC uh, if there's no 125-pound fights. Which, that would be a fun... I would enjoy that loss. I mean, he seemed open to fighting TJ at 35, though. So Yeah, no, I, 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 I think Playing he, games. We all got to get paid here. Stefan, you said it the second they uh, were talking about the trade. You're like, oh, yeah, that division's gone. <laughs> that was your guess anyway, huh? I mean, yeah, it, it, we saw, right? If yeah. It was um, DJ, by way of being champion, would be in the main or co-main event slot. And any other fight in that division was always an undercard. Mm-hmm. There were no main card fights. They never saw the light of TV if you weren't fighting DJ. So, yeah, no one ever really had traction. Yeah, it's uh, it's nah. I feel bad for the guys, man. By the way, uh, Mike Perry shit talking his own t- new teammate Ray Borg, where he said Ray Borg isn't hurt; he's just scared. And I'm like, you're on this team, fuckhead. What? 
You're on his team. Shut up, Perry. <laughs> what is this? They really made the right choice there. Which horse to back? <laughs> Let me tell you. Um, yeah, there's no more flyweights. Um, all right. Um, Marcus, let's talk about some. Let's just do some history because we've been talking. We've been dancing around UFC one, um, left and right. And let's actually call the segment the segment's name, Marcus. What are we going to do another edition of? That happened this week? Hell yeah. Not only did that happen this weekend, that happened fucking today. 25 years ago today, UFC won at, say it the way you want to say it. Mickle Serena? <laughs> That's right, in Denver, Colorado. Um, an eight-man tournament uh, to determine who was the ultimate fighter. Um, everybody, rep all these guys mentioned. Marcus, do you remember who was representing what? I mean... Country or well, uh, fighting style? Yeah, no, they actually in Wikipedia they have everyone. Well, let's go, style. let's let's go through it, man. We got uh, we got Ken Shamrock. What's Ken Shamrock representing? Yeah, shoot fighting is what Ken, he fought under. Ken, yeah, uh, Patrick Smith, which was kickboxing, uh, right? Uh, Taekwondo technically. Ta okay, Taekwondo. Yeah. Uh, Hoist Gracie, who this whole thing was set up for him to win Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Uh, Art Jimerson, boxing. Um, Gerard Gordo. Um, Savat, right? Yep. yep Savat. Um, Taylor Tui, Sumo, um, Zane Frazier. I don't know this one. Yeah, these guys. The, honestly, it says kickboxing and American Kempo, but there was just two fat guys. There was yeah, one white just guy two and one black guy, both fat, both shirtless. You can imagine how that fight went. <laughs> um, this was a monumental event, not just because it created this sport, but in terms of martial arts uh, worldwide why you you know we all took like karate and shit when we were kids well this is why everything's a goddamn mma gym or you know a jujitsu gym or something it's like that's what came out of this this sport was invented out of coming out of this event which while they were trying to determine what was the best determine what was the best style we all kind of figured out that you know what it's a combination of everything um those of you who didn't see this you should watch it man because was the first fight Gardo, Gardo and Tilatui, right, Marcus? Yeah. <laughs> so we're all having a good time. We're at this event. Everybody's watching. You know, all right, I'm going to watch these guys beat the crap out of each other in a cage. First fight starts 25 seconds in. The French guy kicks the fat guy's tooth into, like, the fourth row. Um, shit got real, real fast in this thing. Um, if you listen to the great ESPN, they did a 30 for 30 podcast about UFC 1, which is I highly recommend. They talk about how they only had two ambulances and that both of them were like they didn't have people to have ambulances like by the second fight because they were both already in use by that point. Um, it was a goddamn shit show. But fun Marcus, fact about the uh, big guy who got his tooth cut out. He had a very solid part in the uh, I always say underrated comedy for getting Sarah Marshall. You know, Stefan, you didn't even plan it, but we teased this earlier where I said I blew Mike's mind earlier before the show started with my Taylor Tui fact. That's what was it was, that, folks. Was that, the, was that the fact? That was the fact. Taylor Tui is the fat guy and uh, the, 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 the fat uh, guy who works at the resort in um, Forgetting Sarah Marshall. He helps him kill a pig. Helps him kill a pig. Big uh, wine guy. Uh, yeah. Gerard Gardeau. Um, What's what's he been doing since this? I know he's a ninety-one world champion. This was ninety-three. Um, did he fight again after this? Yeah, he. Um, I mean, famously, if you watch Choke, um, he is in that tournament, um, yeah. the Valley Judo tournament, which he uh, does not. He doesn't win the tournament, but he brutally beats up this Japanese guy so bad that he's like permanently blind and fucked up. <laughs> it's like pretty bad. Um, but no, he had a, he had a uh, one. Yeah, I guess that was his only fight, and he lost by. Oh, that's right. He beat the shit out of this Japanese guy, 
basically beat him so bad he's blind, and then he lost by Yolk to him. So yeah. it was a it was a tough one. But I, I think to to put some context around UFC one, because um, Bobby's right, it, it was kind of a let's see what style is best. But ultimately, really, what it was is this is a, this is a Gracie Jiu Jitsu promotional tool. Um, at the time, Hickson and I can't remember um, Hedison. I can't remember what what the what are the, the other brothers was. Um, had Orion. established themselves, yeah. Has established themselves in LA, and they were taking ads out in like karate black belt magazine that they were accepting open open challenges mm. in their gym. Any karate master could come in and fight one of the Gracie Jiu Jitsu guys um, in their gym, which was that guy's garage. And uh, they, if they beat him, they get ten thousand dollars. And they basically took that idea and wanted to make an event around it, so that they created the Ultimate Fighting Championships. And I'm sure. Bobby's podcast, he mentioned 30, um, 30 for 30, goes into all the details of all the crazy shit they're thinking about. Like, oh, yeah. Because it wasn't an octagon at first. It was going to be like a pit. It was going to be, it was going to have a moat with alligators around it. I mean, this you have to put it in context that this is like the early 90s and this shit didn't seem that far off. I, I think they were going to electrify the fence at one point. That yeah. might have been a conversation. Right. Um, it's fucking bonkers, man. Yeah. And, um, and ultimately, they, they picked Hoist Gracie to represent Gracie Jiu-Jitsu because he was the smallest guy and they thought the best way to sell their martial arts was to have the smallest competitor go in there and fight guys. I mean, you have to look at Ken Shamrock back then. Dude was an Adonis. Oh, he Ken Shamrock was a shit. fucking action figure. Ken Shamrock just like, look, I mean, <coughs> people who watch pro wrestling in the late 90s, Ken Shamrock looked like that. Ken Shamrock he looked at that looked in MMA. Great. He and looked- then he's going up against skinny hoist Gracie in his little gi and gets choked out. And uh, and all. And what's funny, I mean, there's there's so many little tidbits you can pull from this fight. Obviously, Bobby talked about the first fight where um, Gregard kick basically pushes the sumo wrestler down because he gets off balance kicks him in the face teeth are flying referee can't literally the referee could not stop the fight it is not <laughs> in his power to stop the fight the fighters have to do it so here we have this sumo wrestler who just got his face kicked in he's like oh my teeth are all over the place what's going on please stop this thing Gagarin's they're like i guess the fight's still going let me just punch him one more time. yeah there we go he just let me whoop this motherfucker's ass some more man it was and then, and then, the, what I ultimately want to get to when Hoist fought Ken, which was a great, was a mm. great minute of fighting. Mm. Ken kind of tapped out. He gave two taps. The referee didn't see it. Hoist let the lock go. Ever since then, Hoist. It's funny in the next fight. Hoist does not let shit go anymore because when he fought uh, Gagard in the finale, he got him in the rear naked choke. Gagard taps on Hoist three times. Hoist isn't letting go. He nope. taps on the ground three times. Referee's not stopping. And then he just starts tapping everything. He's like, get me the <laughs> fuck out of here. I'm dying. Somebody help me. Um, there's a lot of fun stuff to, to look. I mean, it's also gruesome. Some of the fights are a little bit boring. You talk about uh, Kevin and, and Zane fighting each other. There's two fat guys that basically just got Yeah, we weren't going to give those gentlemen too much time, quite Art frankly. Grimerson getting in mount and tapping was just kind of like, you in, know what? in today's MA, he's like, what the fuck is You know what? Art Jimerson trains boxing at the UFC gym now. He's got a bit of a sense of humor about what happened. And, I mean, did you see him at the – you, you might have missed it. He was at the Colorado show. You missed that, Bob? Yeah, I did. Okay. Well, he works. He works. He works at a UFC gym. He's he does. Like, but he was. I mean, you'll appreciate this. One glove, so, Bobby. Not only did this fucker have one glove, he got the biggest fucking glove <laughs> in the world. And he's like, "Remember me? I'm the idiot with one glove." Um, but really, I mean, it just shows a lot of his humility. Um, obviously, probably not the shining moment in his career where he just got taken down and tapped just purely from being in mount. Like he might have gotten punched once or twice, but he was just like. 
the guy was on top of me. I started freaking out and I gave up. And he was like, I can't blame you. You didn't know what the fuck was going to happen to you next. Let me guess. It was going to be an, it was going to be a rear naked choke because you're going to turn over to your back. But it was a great event. It, and it launched, like you said, Bobby launched UFC as we know it um, was really the foothold in mixed martial arts. I mean, there was other events going on. Pancrase was was coming off, you know, around the same time, too. And uh, Valley Judo had been going on in Brazil for a while. But this was really a mainstay in the States. UFC, for those that didn't know, really did become popular in its heyday back when it was, you know, no holds barred. Um, you know, there's a whole history behind, you know, athletic commissions not being present, uh, states banning it, it getting kicked off. You know, honestly, they did ages. Um, between the 30 for 30 was good, but honestly, even the Zufa heavy documentary they did, yeah, and they was interesting. The that was kind of interesting too. Check that out. Um, if you're interested, and apparently they're doing, I don't know, Fight Pass, but apparently they're doing these like little mini movies that are supposed to be fucking great. But yeah, I, 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 I see the preview on YouTube and I'm like, well, fuck, I'm not going to pay just to watch this, but it looks good. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, if when I get ESPN Plus at the beginning of January, do I have access to these also? Like, yeah, well, I don't know. Like, what do I get with ESPN Plus? Um, Marcus, you got 20 questions for us. We've dominated this uh, conversation. I do, but I, I do want to say one thing, just so everyone knows when I keep fucking up saying McNichols, that's because the announcer. Oh, yeah. That is. It, it, it is my favorite part. I mean, literally, if you're only going to watch 20 seconds of oh, the, the dude one. missed. The dude missed all rehearsals, didn't, like, listen to anybody, and said, <laughs> I got this. And then he ate shit on the name of the arena. Well, I mean, he's trying to say, oh, we're here in beautiful Denver, Colorado at the McNichols Arena. Look, I just did it, right? But And he kind of burped halfway through it, and it just kills me every fucking time. Oh, I just did love saying didn't the announcer lie about how much broadcast experience he had? That he was. I think. I think that happened too, Mike. I think he you're was right. not around very long, Mike. I think he did one, and that was it. They kind of got they were more so pissed. Yeah, they kind of got better guys in the booth after that. Not always better because they had that one football player for a long time. Jim Brown. <laughs> yeah, I think it was Jim Brown. He wasn't the best, but he. I mean, back then it was like everyone's learning. No one knew what the fuck was going on half the time. But uh, man, th those those early days were were a real show to watch. Um, all right. Let's uh, do but yeah, I do have someone for 20 questions. <laughs> all right. Let's do 20 questions. Why don't you guys, uh, Mike, what new way have you decided to try to nail, knock out three questions in one or whatever? That was whatever. May, may I just add that last week it actually did work. So suck it, Bobby. You guys got it last week and I was shocked. I was surprised. That was a tough one. I'm going to go uh, just very basic this week and ask, is he a man? He is a man. <laughs> For the record, I was going to ask if he was an active male USC fighter. That's how you get three questions out of the way. Well, that's more or less what Mike tried to do last time. It's like, is he a white male something or other? I can't remember exactly what the question was. Uh, but who wants to go next? So we got, we got a male. Stefan, go ahead. Active UFC fighter? Uh, they are not an active UFC fighter. Yo, guys, I think he's going to try to go with a theme for this week. I think he's going to go with one of the dudes from the first UFC. Ooh, that would be intriguing. Um, Could be. We have not na nailed that down. Marcus has this person fought in the UFC pre-UFC 100. Uh, yeah, you mean post? Pre. Pre. That, did they fight before UFC 100? Yeah. Uh, ooh, let me make sure. Uh, yeah, they did. All right, Mike, you hear all that fucking consternation? It was not somebody from UFC 1. Uh, actually... <laughs> 
if you remember a few weeks ago, Mark said that he was going to act a bit. So yeah, that he's not that good of an actor. Off. He's not that good of an know, actor. That shit did not sound very believable. Okay, I think go it's ahead. from UFC 1. Okay. Why don't, you, why don't you go ahead then, Mike? Did he fight in UFC 1? <laughs> <laughs> no. This guy, this, this uh, athlete did not fight in UFC 1. <laughs> okay, well, there goes that. <laughs> Stefan, yeah, okay. go ahead. <laughs> Were they ever a champion or title holder? Uh, in we're you gonna say the ma- major Rel- organizations. relevant organizations? Yeah. Uh, no. Oh fuck! This got that got harder. Oh fuck me! All right, bums who fought at some point or another. Has this person fought for a UFC title before? Uh, no, they have never oh, fought for a UFC. Title. Guys, guys were fucked. <laughs> my go. <my God. laughs> oh my god! I try to pick these guys because I know if if I pick someone that fought for a title, that window just like sure. That like, that's yeah. literally where all my knowledge is. I'm just going through title shots in my head. Mike, go ahead. Is this person Caucasian? Uh, they are, and I can say that with a hundred percent confidence. This gentleman is white. <laughs> hmm. That might be too many clues because now you know what some other things they aren't. But wait, Bobby, he said he. Ha- wait, what was the? Did you say post or pre UFC? Pre, he fought. He fought pre. Bobby. He fought. He fought pre UFC one hundred. But the way he answered it makes me think this guy might have. Well, it, it threw me. It, to be fair, Bobby, it threw me because you always ask after yeah. one hundred. So I was like, oh wait, did you just not say it right, or did I not understand? Well, I was trying so. to see. I was trying to see. No, it made it was, sense, but yeah. Don't worry. Right. He d- definitely didn't fight in UFC one. We burned a question. I don't got a question yet. If uh, one of you wants to jump me, all right. Uh, did this person compete at more at a uh, more than one hundred and seventy pounds? Uh, no. Okay. Uh, so he fought three shots. one hundred. Um, did this person fight in a Japanese fight promotion? Why don't you just did say they... Pride? Because that could also be Valitudo, no. I think Valetudo's Brazil. No, no, what? There, there's the other, there was the other one that was in Japan in the night. Well, there's a lot in Japan. There's Valley yeah. Judo Japan. There's Pancrase. There's mm, Shuto. Yeah. There's all those organizations. So did he f- ever fight in Japan? Essentially, yes. I yes. don't think this is gonna. This this did narrow down to anybody. <laughs> this person did fight in Japan. I agree with Bobby. That's a wise that's, that's literally anybody. <laughs> you have to remember so this guy did fight pre UFC 100. Wasn't a ton of opportunities globally, so a lot of the guys ultimately made it over to Japan for some organization or another. This guy did fight in Japan, though. Okay. Oh I'm waving. I'm ready to wave the white flag, guys. We, we got to. Okay, Mark. 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 Did he fight at uh, 155 or 170 pounds? One of those two. Yeah, he did. Okay. We get so white guy fought at lightweight at lightweight or or welterweight. They weren't champions. They didn't fight for a UFC title. Were they American, Mark? Uh, yes, they are American. I feel Still. like that, that helps. <laughs> how do we na- how do we narrow this shit down? Um, was he a lightweight? Um, I'll, I'll give you that. He fought, but he he jumped between divisions, but it was lightweight and uh, welterweight, and I. I mean, it, early in his career, he was the lightweight. Then he, as he got older, he went to to welterweight. All right. Hey, uh, I'm not talking to you, Mark. Joe Lozon never fought at 170, right? 
And he fought before UFC 100. He never fought in Japan, though, right? He might have fought in Japan, but I don't think he uh, fought at 170. I think the show, it wasn't Ultimate Fighter at 155. What did he whoop Jens Pulver's ass at? 155? I think that was the reason. That was people, yeah. why people knew who he was. Um, all right. Was he on a season of The Ultimate Fighter? Mm, as a participant? As anything. He has been on the show, The Ultimate Fighter, yes. That kind of doesn't narrow it down either. What, how many questions are we at? You should. Why didn't you take a lane, Bobby? You should have taken a lane with that <laughs> yeah. question. You should, you should have gone. Well, how many questions are we at? You're at 13 right now. So we got basically was this person was this person down. was this person a coach on the Ultimate Fighter? Uh, they were a coach on the Ultimate Fighter. All right. Okay. There's so many so many fucking coaches on this fucking show. All right, guys, come on. 155. All right, let's start. Let's start going through this. <laughs> Jens Pulver fought BJ Penn, right? He also was a champion. He was a champion himself too. Oh, was he? Oh. They yeah. both were. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Okay. Let's just go one uh, UFC. Okay. What was tough one? Tough one was four. Was uh Chuck and Randy. Mm-hmm. Chuck and Randy. Uh, what was two? Rich and Matt Hughes. No, Matt Hughes was never one fifty five. Three was Tito and Ken. Oh, well, it could be oh, anyone. It could be. It could Mayhem be any of the assistant coaches. Right? It could be anyone that jumped in with a guest yeah, appearance. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking. <laughs> I'm thinking about uh, season four where motherfuckers were just showing up. He already made Carl Parisian the guy once, right? Yeah, that, that was okay. an ambiguous yeah. white okay, guy. Okay, okay. He already made a Caro once. Um, who coached five? Amir Sadala was never a coach, right? Because that seems no. like another ambiguous white dude uh, Mark might get mixed up with. Matt um, Sarah was it? Five was the BJ Penn one. Oh, yeah. Six yeah. was Sarah and Hughes. <clears throat> uh, I, think they, I, I think they were an assistant coach. Bobby, I, think they were, I, think, I think so, everyone too. I think else, right. Everyone else gets a lot. Either older heavyweights or active to this yeah, day. Yeah, I think you're right. Fuck. All right, doesn't uh, doesn't help at all. This so is tough. Have. I might have made it worse. Went down on a tough rabbit hole. Yeah. Um, well, we got an avenue. All right. Uh, <clears throat> so, should we just assume this white dude fought at Pro- in Pride? Uh, if he <laughs> fought in Japan, welcome, you're, you're welcome to try to narrow it down. Uh, okay. Uh, Hmm. Someone's gonna ask a question too. We can just sit here in silence. Um, Mark uh, uh, Stefan asked if he's American, right? Yeah, we established yeah, yeah. he's American. He's okay. a white. He's a white American who fought mostly at 155. He I mean, Japan. I'm trying to even remember who the f fought in Pride. Is the guy Mesker is it Mark's favorite? Has this person ever fought Nate Diaz? Uh, I am pretty sure they haven't. But let me check. Uh, that, that knocks out. That, I can start. A, I need to start looking at like shit like yeah, this. Like, no, never fought Diaz. All right, so that eliminates like a lot of people. <laughs> um, all right, fifteen. I, I had Kurt Pellegrino in my head, to be honest. Um, Pride didn't have lightweight, correct? They had. Uh, they got or later. When yeah, they got. Ta- they got Gomi. Gomi showed up. Okay. Yeah. But again, if it's later in the career, Pride won't that narrow it down? Can we establish if it was Pride? I was just gonna say, Mike said Japan. (laughs) Yeah, you might. Okay, all right, we'll use it. Were they did they fight in Pride when they were in Japan, Mark? Uh, Oddly enough, they did not fight in Pride. (laughs) All right, so did was Mac? uh, Okay. Hmm. 
Huh. Dang, I, I feel like, under this one. I feel like, yeah, I think I, 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 I mean, I think, Ty Mesger's all I had in my head, and he fought in pride. <laughs> I had Mac Danzig in my head, but then I remembered he said tough coach. It wasn't a tough. Uh, who the fuck? Co- all right. Who fought who coached tough? And who was who were they friends with? Uh, you know, we, we, we need to figure out who the assistant he was the assistant to and figure out the camp. Well, Rampage had no assistance. So that knocks out like two guys. <laughs> right. Neither did Ken. Ken. <laughs> neither did Ken. Ken had the uh, nutritionist. <laughs> the nutritionist. T- uh, Tito was too early on to have lightweights hanging out with him. I don't know if Tito knows any lightweights. Randy and Chuck and all them. Okay, no one there. Uh, Wait, we it's been a lot of seasons. We established he fought before UFC 100. Did we ever establish if he fought in the UFC after UFC 100? Does that help you even a little bit at this point? I mean, yo, what what you got? I'm just saying, let's not burn a question on that. I already took us down tough mem- misery here. Let's not let's not well, cast our of, line into another we're lake. Kind of assuming that this is a much older fighter that didn't fight recently. Do we do we want to see if he's still fighting, or is he? Did we already ask if he's active? Look, burn some questions uh, and let's I just realize think, we lost this one. <laughs> I think Stefan asked if he was active. Mark, did Stefan ask? I did if ask he was, if he was active earlier. Yeah, and Mark said no. Yeah. Okay. Did Mike Pyle always fight at one seventy? Let me ask that question. <laughs> is, that, is that is that the question for me? If no, Mike I'm asking Pyle the guys. <laughs> Does anybody know if Mike Pyle ever made it to one fifty five? Mike Pyle. I, I, don't, not, I, I don't know uh, enough about his yeah. career. He had a lot of fights, though. Mike, yeah. Mike, Mike, Mike Swick only fought at 185 and 170, right? Mike Swick fought at like five different weight classes. And he fought for a belt, didn't he, somewhere? You guys know that this fighter fought at 55 and 70. And I gave you the clue. They started at 55 and then moved yeah. into 70 later into their career. I mean, right, Diego's about, not white. We're not no. giving up yet. No, um, he's, not, he's not white. Um. Okay, you know what? I'm gonna ask it. Did he fight after UFC 100 in the UFC? Uh, they did. Great. <laughs> so this fighter has fought before and after UFC 100. We should just ask if he fought on UFC 100. We could at least <laughs> figure out if it was on the fucking. If you know card. your events well, you could try to guess what event he was on and go from there. Um. There weren't even that many lightweights we're back at, then. We're at, we're at 17 right now, so we're getting close, guys. Uh, this guy wasn't a champion anywhere, right? Well, we we always say major organizations, and no, he wasn't. I, you know, I got a question, Mark. Who is this random, non-successful bum you want to talk about? Yeah, Jesus Christ, man. Well, it had to be yes or no questions, so I can't answer that one. <laughs> Um, Lame has no career. To what, 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 was, was Clay, Clay Guida was a champion, and we already talked about him, right? Yeah, he was yeah. a strike force champion. Earlier yeah, on. okay. Fuck me. All right. I I feel every one of like no one of our questions has been good about this. Like, who's Frank Mir hanging out with when he was coaching? Hey, um, tough? That's where I'm at now. <laughs> you asked you asked if he fought Nate Diaz, right? Yeah. What about um the dude that fought Nick Diaz with the hair? Strike Force? Did he ever fight in the UFC? KJ? KJ yeah. Nunes. He fought post. He came over after. Uh, I don't think the, he ever fought. In the, he never fought in the UFC pre UFC 100. Yeah, he no. after the like Elite XC and Strike Force folded. He got a couple fights in there. That was a good. That was a good one, Mike. Though that was a good pull. Um, 
All right, Still we need wrong. some more questions. Yeah, Fuck you. Get this out of the way, man. Why do we? <laughs> right. We're coming okay. here, guys. Who, who are the other generic white dudes in those seasons of Tough? That they were just in the background? Yeah, because there was Mike Pyle, uh, Nate Quarry. How about Nate Quarry? Nate Quarry don't have any friends. He wasn't good enough to coach anywhere. Uh, All right, coach. BJ Penn had a bunch of random who, Hawaiians. Who just is that guy who's the Irish hand grenade, but he's American? Marcus, Marcus Davis? Davis, yeah. He was... He could have been before and after. There's no, he, way I, he was on, he, no way he was a coach on tough, even an assistant coach. I don't know who he, who he even trains with. Uh, Kenny Florian, no people. Kenny Florian about, fought for like five titles. Uh, he wasn't even. Uh, right, we need a question. We need a question. Are they of Irish descent? <laughs> I'm gonna say no. But I'm so, going 22 uh, and me on this guy. So. Is it, 23 and me. That's not Marcus Davis. Mike, you happy? All right. <laughs> so that's 18. You get one more question. We got to guess who it is. Do they have blonde hair? Uh, they do. Oh, wow. All Number right. 19. Wow. This is it, baby. What you got? Is that what we were getting at? Because that's no, the like, Stefan, is it? Is it Dennis Hallman? Oh, I was. Uh, which Diaz brother did you ask about? Nate, yes, about Nate. Because my thought was Joe Riggs, but he Joe, thought Joe Riggs. Joe Riggs wasn't wasn't Joe Riggs champion of that Bellator thing they did, the Bellator. Uh, you're a cha- you're you're a fighter champion thing, whatever they did there. <laughs> All I know is you're welcome to take the guess, Bob. I don't fucking yeah. got it. But if it's either of these guys, I will highly judge Mark for wanting to talk about either one of them. <laughs> Wait, I don't. I also want to. Wait, do I do do I have any more questions, or can I ask a question and then? Ask no, we're at nineteen. You have to guess the guy. So it's twenty questions. Twenty is the twenty is the goddamn yeah. guess. Yeah, he's the guess. Yeah, you yeah. get twenty-one questions. I, I this feel is... like you're shorting us a question. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure it's twenty questions. Ma- I, I think I think Mark knows it's one of the two. <laughs> I can't say anything until you guys give me your last guess, and I can Yo, spill nah, the beans. Nah, you know what? Executive decision, Mark. You're full of shit. It's twenty questions, then you then you get the name. <laughs> your last question is: Is the fighter so and so? And let's you know what? Let's 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 give him the victory. Um, Mike, do you who, who um, you be the tiebreaker? Stefan says Joe Riggs. I think Dennis Holman. <laughs> I don't think Joe Riggs started late. I think he started heavy and went late. So, so let's go with Dennis Holman then. Okay, we're going with Dennis Hallman. Is it Dennis Hallman? It is not Dennis Hallman. That is a good guess, though. Man, You're going to be kicking yourselves. Who talks about peanut butter all the time? Who's our peanut butter man on this show? Dwayne Ludwig? Dwayne Ludwig's our peanut butter man. That is the guy I am looking at today. Don't Dennis Hallman. I just want to say Dennis Hallman was uh, assistant coach on Misha Tate's team. I was pretty proud of that guess. All right. I think that checked all the fucking boxes. I don't know if he fought in Japan. I but think, like he probably did. I'm not sure. I mean, I don't have his page in front of me. I think your last question was if he is he blonde, kind of really put it on its head. And that was a really good question. But uh yeah, uh Dwayne Ludwig, um actually it was kind of surprising. It was kind of tough. Man, fuck Dwayne Ludwig and these questions. Because <laughs> what the fuck? He had one fight. <laughs> in Japan under K1 MMA Romanex where he fought and you say you say fuck Dwayne Ludwig let's talk about some of the guys he fought he fought BJ Penn in that K1 MMA fight he fought my favorite fighter Genki Suda UFC 42 before 100 he beat Jens Pulver for the UCC light heavyweight championship I don't know if I said he won a belt and he won the UCC I think that would have thrown you guys off more um beat Charles Bennett who else did he fight against 
uh, lost to Josh Thompson, lost to Paul Daly, lost to Gomi. There's a lot of losses in here. Lost to Darren Elkins, um, had a win over Amir Sadala, beat jo- lost to Josh Neer, lost to Dan Hardy, lost to Chate Mills. Um, why people would mostly know him today, he's the head coach of uh, TJ Dillashaw. Um, and I know him mostly because he was the protege of Boss Rutten when Boss was still doing Pride commentary. I remember the first time I saw Dwayne fight, it was at King of the Cage uh, 4 against uh, Shad Smith. This was a fight he made famous because while he was just beating the shit out of Shad Smith forward to post, he did the karate kid stance for a second and then continued to beat his ass. Um, he did a similar thing when he narrowly won a decision over Genki Sudo. Um, like I mentioned, that UFC 42, a fantastic fight. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I've always been a big, big fan of Dwayne. I love the I love his stand-up technique. I love the way he he fights. Um, ultimately, you know, wasn't super successful. Like you guys mentioned through your 20 questions, he never fought for a UFC belt. Never really re- was really in the picture that much. He probably had better success um, in K1 World Max, which was K1's lighter uh, weight division. Uh, he fought some of the greats there, like uh, Masato, Albert Kraus, John Way Parr. Um, he fought the late great Alex Gong. Um, he was mostly a kickboxer that transitioned to MMA and had some good success there. Like I mentioned, he had some good wins over Jens Pulver and Genki Sudo, but um, ultimately his career did kind of get stagnated towards the end. Um, he had a lot of injuries throughout his career too, but always one of my favorite fighters, but just not well known enough with the guys to get him this week. So that was that was a good game though. You guys were really close. Um, uh, you're, he had another career highlight. Uh, I didn't hear you mention. Um, I don't know if he still yeah. holds it. He did have the uh, fastest knockout yeah, in UFC history. So they had to give it to him after the fact. They didn't initially give it to him. Yeah, they still have it as eleven seconds on Wikipedia. But his um, I just closed his pace. I think it was Joshua Gallant. Um, a, I believe it was a Canadian fire. He knocked out in what they're saying is 11 seconds. When you watch the fight, it was a first thr- uh, punch thrown. A lot of people count it when the punch landed and uh, the opponent went to his knees. That was basically the end of the fight, which I think was around four seconds, which would be the fastest UFC knockout. Uh, good catch there, uh, Steph. But yeah, that was it this week. Sorry it was a toughie. <laughs> I, give, uh, I, I take it back and I want to give Mark respect. Dwayne w- Ludwig was a man worth talking about. Yeah, we should have gotten that one. If it was Dennis Hallman. I mean, if it was Dennis Hallman, you really wanted to talk about that time he wore the uh, banana hammock. Yeah, real talk stuff on my next question was going to be, has this person worn a banana hammock in a cage? And then we would have known which one it was. I tried it was so small, even the training mask logo couldn't actually fit across his junk because there wasn't enough material. I, I try not to make it too obscure. I want to give you guys a fighting chance, but I think Dwayne's tough because... I think we mostly know him more recently for being a coach and not really what he was able to accomplish during his career. So it was a tough one, but you guys got real close. I honestly didn't even remember TJ Coach tough. Yeah, yeah. and I think that was another thing. You guys were trying to pull the assistant coaches, and I think if you would have fallen on Faber or something, you would have remembered, oh, yeah, Bang was around that time. So it was a tough one. That was a tough one, and you guys got real close. So if it ever if the answer to this is ever Dennis Hallman that means we've been doing this too long and we're running out of ideas it's <laughs> like i'm either have to pick the most obscure guys or it's just you guys will know it too quick but uh, you know we're getting there um all right let's just pick these two fights cuz this podcast went super long jesus christ that was the um, longest round of 20 questions yeah. ever <laughs> ufc is going to buenos aires argentina um something they've been working on for quite some time um because they got an Argentinian who's good. Like, really, really good. Santini, Santiago Ponzanibio 
has been on a fucking tear. Um, he's his UFC record is twelve and two, and he's on a one, two, three, four, six fight win streak. Um, beaten a lot of good names in there, including Court McGee, Zach Cummins, Gunnar Nelson, and Mike Perry. Um, he's from Argentina. That's why they're doing this. Um, he's taking on Neil Magny. Um, Neil Magny. I think we all kind of know who he is at this point. Probably best case top seven guy, you know, at this point. Um, Magny's a decent underdog in this one, actually. Plus 260. Ponzinibbio, minus 320. I'm, as Mark put it earlier, I'm the only one excited for this shit anyway. But I got I got Ponzinibbio. I'm a ter- I, I got to pick against my guy, Magny. They didn't fly your ass all the way to Argentina for you to beat up uh, Santiago Ponzinibbio. Though, um, if Ponzinibbio... Magny's always there. It's hard to put Magny down. So Ponzinibbio needs to manage himself in this five-round fight. Uh, what do you think, Stefan? Um, I was going to do a whole sarcastic bit about picking the guy that they're clearly not marketing for this fight, but uh, that would be a waste of time. As is telling this anecdote, I'm taking the guy who this event is for. Fair enough. Uh, Mike? Neil Magny's good at pretty much everything, not necessarily great. I think his avenue to win is to try to control the ring, uh, clinch against the ground, uh, against the cage. But I think Ponzinibbio is going to be too strong for that. Uh, there's a reason why he's a negative 300 favorite, and they are tailoring this thing all for him. Marcus, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I'm on the same boat, and it's mostly uh, I think that win over Gunner. Kind of, I see a lot of similarities with Magni and Gunner with them being slick on the ground and being somewhat dangerous standing up. And uh, Ponzinibbio was able to handle Gunner pretty easily. I think he's going to be able to handle uh, Neil Magni as well. All right, clean sweep there. And then uh, Lamas and Darren Elkins. Um, I mean, let's just ask ourselves how much do you think Ricardo Lamas has left? Because Darren Elkins is still Darren Elkins. Um, Elkins is plus 190. Lamas is minus 230. Um this is the type of shit where, like, Darren Elkins finds a win these fights, finds a way to win these fights somehow, despite all logic, and I can't accept that lack of logic. So I'm going to go with Ricardo Lamas, but I'm not going to be surprised that all of a sudden it's three rounds later and Ricardo Lamas just got grinded by Darren Elkins. But I'm still sticking with um, Lamas. Mark? Yeah, this is a really tough one. Um, I- I'm actually going to go with Elkins on this one. Uh, I feel like uh, what Ricardo has in spades in this one, I think his stand-up is going to – he has a lot more tools there. I think he can mix up with his uh, leg kicks a lot better than Darren Elkins will, who's more of a boxer wrestler. Uh, I just like the tenacity of Darren Elkins. Um, how he wins fights is just getting in your fucking face and just being there and not letting you breathe. And I think Ricardo kind of needs some of that space to get his foot working, to, get, to land the leg kicks, to set things up. I think Derek's just going to be in his face. It's going to be a tough fight. Um, but that's kind of where Darren does his best work. So I'm going to go with him, but it's going to be a tough one. Yeah, I think I think uh, despite a lot of times Elkins is a grinder, I think Lamas is good enough that this is going to be actually good. And he's a good wrestler. It's going to be a good matchup. It's a good matchup. Yeah, the wrestling negates each other, and it's a stand-up fight, purely stand-up. I think Lamas is a better like Muay Thai practitioner than Darren Elkins is a boxer, but I just think, feel like Darren is going to just pressure him into the cage. We're going to get a lot of clinch work. He's going to do a lot of dirty boxing, and I think he's just going to win this round just by – pushing Ricardo up against the fence more and landing a little bit more punches there. Steph, uh, Lamas has uh, got his back against the wall here a bit, too. He's got two losses in a row. Do you think uh, he turns it around here? 
Um, yeah, I think it's a, it's it's another fight where it's gonna we'll kind of know everything we need to left to know. It's um, Lamas is kind of in that stage of his career where he's not done, but he might be done being in contention. So I think it's gonna it's really gonna come down to how much does he still want to be a fighter when he doesn't necessarily have that carrot on a stick anymore. Um, but I feel like he should win because he's better. He has better technical stand up and he's a good wrestler. So in my head, he should be competent enough to you know somewhat negate Elkins but Elkins do, as Mark do said, you think sometimes Elkins is he's always hanging by a thread and that is a guy who's just gasping for life so that's how he wins fights so um if Lamas is there I, I lean Lamas because I, I think he'll still be there but if he loses I think it's a good sign that he isn't anymore do you feel it's one of those fights where like you're wondering does does Ricardo Lamas want this enough to win that's it that's all it is is yeah that's all that is because um, like I said, like skill set wise, he's better than him. Yeah, it's just like you know, Elkins. He beats people by outworking them. He beats people who don't want it. Who you know, like he he never really has the physical advantages over anyone. He's not super athletic. You know, he's a strong wrestler, but he's not like some freak of nature who's like really gigantic for the division or anything. You know, and he catches guys who don't respect his stand up at all. So like again, there's always. It's always a mistake someone else made, usually, when Elkins wins. Um, but Lamas, with his caliber of opponent, he should be good enough to win. Um, but if he doesn't, I think it'll tell a lot about what remains of his uh, fighting career. Mike, what do you think? You know, Lamas is on a two-fight losing streak, but Berthick is a really tough matchup, I think, for anyone. And I think that was, from what I remember, it was a pretty close match. And... The Josh Emmett fight, I mean, Josh Emmett is a really hard hitter, and I think that can be a little bit of Lamas's kryptonite. So two-fight losing streak, but I'm not really discounting Lamas too much. And and Darren Elkins, yeah, he can he can apply some pressure, but he doesn't exactly have dynamite in his hands. So I think that Lamas will have the advantage here, and I think it'll under the knockout. Um, at least there was some difference. If Mark didn't pick somebody else, it would be no point in this entire fucking exercise. Um, this card's not deep. Yeah, we could uh, pick three more fights, but we'd all pick the same person. Yeah, uh, I just want to point out a little round tree is worth mentioning at this point. Um, went out there and just you knock out Gokunsaki standing. That means something. I don't care how lucky you may or may not have been. Um, he's on a four fight unbeaten streak in the middle there. I think he tested positive for something. Um, some weight cutting thing possibly in there, but four fights unbeaten before that. Uh, came into the UFC on two wins, uh, two losses. So. Turned it around, and if you uh, go to his Wikipedia page, his personal life section says, Roundtree enjoys dancing and listening to music. He is a fan of the village people. So, there you go. Your f- good music, okay. <laughs> yeah, and that's, just, that's, you know, some 13-year-old wrote that and thought it'd be hilarious. Um, and uh, Cynthia Calvillo, a fan, uh, someone on this podcast we enjoy whiting, uh, watching and keeping an eye on. Um, she's come back, uh, coming back from her first career loss. Hasn't fought in 10 months, um, or 11 months. Took a tough loss to Carla Esparza, so she's going to try to bounce back here against uh, Pollyanna Botello, who I don't know who the fuck that is. And uh, Marlon Chito Vera is fighting, and I always root for him, just because he seems like a good dude. <laughs> um, it's not a great card, man. If you speak Spanish, the UFC shipped your ass to Argentina. That's what's a lot of what's going on in this card. Um, do you think the guy named Anderson Dos Santos got this job just by name alone? 
Just because I think he did. <laughs> you think he? He just yeah. He just wrote his name down. They're like, oh, he got to be good. Well, I mean, there was that card which we like that like obscure MMA card which was Dos Santos versus Silva. Yeah. <laughs> like he was like Geronimo Dos Santos at like at yeah. the peak of the junior hype train. So was, yeah. yeah, sometimes people just bank. You remember when the Boston Celtics signed a ten day contract to a guy named Michael Jordan? There you so, go. That's the headline. Shit. Boston Celtics sign Michael Jordan. That's that's the type yeah, of shit we it's, have. It's worth the PR sometimes. Yeah. Um, all right. Um, yeah, this thing's happening on... Let's go with Saturday. Um, I think. Bellator is also happening. Pitbull's back. He's defending against Emmanuel Sanchez. And uh, also on the card, on the prelims, is... Uh, I had this girl's name up earlier, uh, Victoria, as I stall, Victoria something or another, which I'm going to tell you right now, she actually trains with a friend uh, friend of mine at, <laughs> in their Krav Maga gym, and she tuned up uh, my friend uh, about a week or two ago, Victoria Makarova, so that was interesting to hear. So, so we'll, she's in shape. We're going to have a little bit of MMA, uh, MMA math on your Wait. friend. Right. Yeah. Is, is, is it is it that she's in shape or is it that your friend uh ain't ain't shit in Krav Maga? Do you just I'm want to shit? I know who your friend is. I was gonna say you want to shit talk Hillary right now. Go ahead, Mike. <laughs> yeah, I think I think Hillary's skills are suspect. I, I don't think she knows shit in Krav Maga. Well, oh, we're gonna know snap. if this girl that beats up Hillary loses and the Bellator prelims are like, oh Hillary, you're you are three things down. I mean, <laughs> if you remember back Hillary, she don't got no spunk, she don't got that fire in her. Oh, this is gonna be wonderful! Know. You know, you Mike knows fully well she's never gonna listen to us, so it doesn't make a difference. <laughs> now all I'm picturing is uh, is her name maybe in uh, Arrested Development that has like no personality. She just eats the egg. <laughs> that's that's what I'm thinking now. That's uh, Anne. Anne. Oh no, you're right, Anne. Yeah, because yeah, maybe he's the sister, or cousin, or yeah. whatever. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah. Uh. Bellator's happening. Um. Now I don't. When's Bellator? When's the last time Bellator put a good one on? Put a big one on. It was like Wait, a couple a weeks big ago. One or a good one? Or I mean, they had the back-to-back nights in New York. Oh, that was the last one time. that we were there. <laughs> they, oh, had the, they had the they had the back-to-back yeah, back-to-back nights. Yeah. I think that was it. And then uh, we're going to next week. I think we're going to pick Chuck and Tito three. Yeah, boy. Uh, which uh, yeah. I abstain from picking it. <laughs> I abstain. I want nothing to do with that. Stefan, you know that means you you. You, you forfeit all of those yeah. things, and we're going to pick all five fights. <laughs> <laughs> we're picking Tom Lawler, Darren Wynn. We're picking Kenneth Berg versus Jorge Gonzalez. I'm getting that you know win, what? however possible. You know oh, what? You know Honestly, what I mean? listen to these fights. He might be in a good spot. Not I was going to say. <laughs> like I mean, you, you, you guys can all just miss them wildly, not knowing which old, like, done man to pick. And uh, oh, just say, Steph, all I got to do is go one and four. And I'll still pick up a game. I was gonna say, uh, I was gonna say, I'm taking. You got Efren Escudero or Glyson Tivau. That's the exact <laughs> type of fight Efren Escudero doesn't win. Tivau just holds him down three rounds. Um, all right, let's do stuff we like. Um, I mentioned it earlier. Um, we lost uh, Stan Lee today. Um, incredibly influential man. Um, so I'm just gonna say I like all, or not all, but I like. A great amount of his work, and thank you, thank you for all of it, um, and thank you for all these movies. And they wouldn't have happened without his vision. Um, I forgot the name of the guy who used to draw while he was writing. Yeah, Kirby. 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 Oh, Kirby. Kirby. Good man deserves a lot of credit. He doesn't get enough either, quite frankly. Um, he doesn't get nearly as much as Stan. But Kirby was 
obviously very influential in this also. But Stan lived a hell of a life, man. 95 years. And um, his, we're never going to forget. It's not going to be possible to forget him. He created all this shit. It's never going. It's going to be a hard. One day, we're all going to have kids and be like, where'd Spider-Man come from? You're going to be like, it came from the mind of this crazy old man. He wasn't old at the time, but this crazy man named Stan Lee. He was just creative as hell. You know? So, uh, yeah. he did do Spider-Man, right? I mean, yeah. uh, so I didn't pull that Okay. He pretty much did all of the staple Marvel characters that you probably are thinking about. Yeah. He likely had a hand in creating them or co-creating Yeah, so, I'm just going to say thank you for the Hulk because that's my favorite. So, yeah, um, I'm gonna, if I can just pick. Oh, sure. go ahead. Um, I just wanted to echo one because I had some little things I wanted to talk about on stuff I like. I don't want to talk about any of them anymore um, because this is one I've been dreading for a while. I've been dreading this for a long time and it made me reflective as hell when he passed away. This was always going to be, it was the most imminent one of my heroes who would, who would leave. And, you know, like um, he invented a lot of characters. Yes. I am very aware. He didn't write most of the stories that I came to love the characters, you know, a lot of, a lot of great writers, a lot of great storytellers took the ball and rolled with it. Um, you know, he, he did create them, but a lot of the things that I specifically look for, but that's that's enough. And it's just, I loved his personality. He was so celebratory of the community. Um, and the thing I was most reflective of about is we are of the age that we saw comic books be this nerdy, nerdy niche thing to being the mainstream forefront of pop culture. And it has never stopped tripping me out. That my nephew thinks I'm the cool uncle because I like superheroes doesn't stop feeling weird. When I managed a bunch of 20-somethings at Yelp, that I was the cool manager because I like I knew all about Spider-Man and the Avengers. That was weird to me because no matter how mainstream comic books are now, Marvel in particular and what made Marvel take the market from DC is Marvel Comics were not for the mainstream. Marvel Comics was for the outcasts, for the difference. You know, Peter Parker was a nerd. The X-Men were like the parable for like racism. It's for everyone who was other growing up. And that's what Marvel means to me. And that Stan Lee was the guy who who made these characters for those people who were other. Like, it's this is not an easy one for me. This is not a like I enjoyed his work. This is like this guy's work meant a lot to my life and like molded who I am as a person. Like, I remember seeing a TED talk of like, it was a th like a thesis of like, what's the difference between Luke Skywalker and Jesus? They're just stories that people look up to and made people want to be good, made them want to work hard, made them want to do the right thing. It doesn't matter if who they looked up to was fictional or not, you know, and like uh, Stanley had that famous quote about, you know, he used to not see the value in his work. He saw doctors, you know, like architecture, people building and contributing these things. And then he realized the power of entertainment that can lift someone from these dark places and he realized that entertainment had its value in this world. And like, this is all these things I can ramble and, you know, wax with poetic, but that's what I just wanted to say about him and what I'm so appreciative of his work is it's it, again, it's, it's crazy to me that it's how mainstream it is now because that's not who it was for and that's not who it was about. And, you know, so I, I thank him for when I was that lonely kid growing up, he gave me a home to like dive into, to feel a part of, and to be a better person. Like, you know, like what is, what is the story of Peter Parker, but that the hardest decisions are the right decision are sometimes the hardest decisions, you know, that if you can do something, you should do something. It's 
people some people say like oh superheroes make you reliant on someone else to save the day no peter parker's greatest regret is that he didn't do something when he had the power to and he could have done something so i think these are the lessons that make people better people and hell that that's he put a lot of good in this world and you know excelsior stan lee um i regret that i did not get to meet him at comic-con this past summer um it was something I so wanted to do, but they were there were passes. They were sold out. I understood he had limited time, but I, it, it always sticks with me because I even worried then that that was my last chance. And um, yeah, um, we visited Bruce Lee's grave to pay respects at one point. Um, I absolutely know at some point in the future, wherever he ends up, um, I'll want to pay my respects to Mr. Stanley. Well, but uh, his gravestone must have like the dopest fucking statue on it, right? It's gonna be like <laughs> Captain America. I don't, I don't think he did Captain, but it'd be like Iron Man and Thor and fucking Hulk. It, it better be fucking dope as shit. <laughs> yeah, and um, Kevin Smith, um, director um, and filmmaker, um, had a yeah, but you know, I mean, a lot of people know he had a relationship with Stan Lee quite a bit, like. Stanley showed up in his second movie for the love of God, but like he and Stan were friends, and he wrote uh, what he wrote about him on Instagram. If you want to look it up, was really touching and well put, and talks about the influence he had and how pr- much he thought of Frank of uh, Stan as a man as he grew to know him, and you know, and how much you know he respected Stan and Stan's relationship with his wife and all that, who'd been together for like sixty goddamn years. I think she passed away a year or two ago. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Michael. You know, Stan, he revolutionized comics. Um, before November 1961, when Fantastic Four number one came out, I think comic book he- superheroes before then, it was you're the superhero and they have a secret identity. When Stan Lee and Jack Kirby and Marvel came back out again in 1961, they flipped it that these are people who happen also to be superheroes with the fantastic four it wasn't so much they were a superhero team they were a family who got superpowers and that was the dynamic of those uh, comics and as stefan alluded to spider-man spider-man was he was peter parker who was spider-man a awkward nerdy kid um rest in peace stanley i think uh stefan and uh and uh bobby uh, said it pretty well. There's really not much else I can add. Marcus, do you want uh, to say anything? Yeah, yeah, no, totally. Um, I mean, I can't really say uh, his work, his like original work, actually affected me during the time and even after. Because honestly, I was never really into comics as a kid, and I got more into comics at the beginning of college and high school. Because I, I never, because I think mostly because how I recognized comics was through DC and they always seemed very stagnant. And I always felt like I could never relate to the characters because I'm not super, like, I'm not Superman. His problems aren't the same as mine. Um, but ultimately, I kind of want to recognize Stan Lee for what I knew him mostly as. And I think probably what the public knows him mostly as, which is a, a persona that we see in movies. I mean, he's always portraying himself pretty much all the time. Uh, but, um, that's mostly where I got the exposure. So like when Bobby mentioned that he was in Kevin Smith's second movie, Mallrats, I think that was probably one of the first times that I kind of was introduced to, to who Stanley is and who this person is and what a first introduction, because not only do you kind of get the context, like, oh, this guy's a big deal. He created these characters that these people really love, but I love the scene with, um, 
him and the character's name is Brody. I do remember it is uh, Jason actual, Lee. Jason Lee, and, and Jason Lee's asking him these really kind of adult, uh, promiscuous can, questions. Can, can Mr. Fantastic's can Mr. Fantastic's dick grow shit like yeah, that? Yeah, and can Lois Lane couldn't handle the load of Superman and like that kind of stuff. And him just agreeing to like, yeah, I'll be in this movie with these conversations about these characters that I'm familiar with, and in some cases created. Um, was really my first introduction to him. And I think like uh, most people, I, re- I know Stanley the most from all the Marvel movies. And what I wanted to say about how that has directed me, because the Marvel movies got me into superhero comics, which I'm very much in today. I literally get comics every week now. And it's really because of the Marvel movies. And Stanley's a a small part of the actual movies, but a much bigger part of their creation and uh of course it's going to be sad knowing that stanley won't make a lot more cameos I, I imagine that he'll be in cameos for the next two movies which i think is very fitting uh because that'll be the end of their first their, the first four phases but the first big major arc of marvel films and i also just wanted to mention too uh, it, it is sad but i saw stan's last years reflected in my own grandparents's life where um my papu, my uh, grandfather on my dad's side, uh, we lost um, my grandmother, my yaya, um, a year or so ago. And then my papu passed away. And I think Stan, I can see a lot of similarities with Stan and my own uh, grandfather. Because when when you're that old, and, and my grandfather was actually like, I think he was in like 96, his late 90s as well, which is fantastic, which is amazing. But, you know, when you lose that partner... It's just your whole existence from your your meaning for existence kind of goes with that person, even though Stan had so many millions of projects and adoring fans. But you can kind of tell in this last year, it's just been kind of rough for Stan. He had these. I mean, if you followed the news, he had lawsuits going on with companies he started. He had claims that the um, the senior citizen help group that was supposed to be taking care of him was stealing from him. It just seemed like things were just they weren't going well for Stan. So I think in a. And all the somberness of, of what what happened, I, I can at least find solace in that Stanley has passed. That you know he's he, he's with his wife, and I think this last year was was kind of tough on him. So I, I'm glad to see him rest in peace. And and another thing is like we'll only have good memories of Stan, and we have all of these fantastic films that I know I'll probably be watching for the rest of my life. And he'll always be a part of those films physically. I will see him say a line in all of those films. I think that's really amazing. And I think his memory will live on. And he's such an amazing creative person. And there's so few people um, that have that kind of creative energy, not just to create a symbol that we all recognize in the characters that he made, um, but to the point we also know the creator. I think that's really rare. There's so many fictional characters that everyone's familiar with but only the really great creators do we remember. So he'll be remembered in the annals of Disney. And I think Stan Lee's right there. And I think uh, um, Miyamoto who made Mario link and Samus. I think there's just these people that they encompass more than what they create, even though what they created is unbelievably successful and recognized worldwide. Their creators are known to that same extent, and I think Stanley's in that paramount. And uh, yeah, yeah you know, I'm gonna you, miss him, but he he was great. You mentioned uh, Walt Disney, and uh, I've just been thinking this whole time since you said this thought like his gravestone is gonna be epic. Like in my head, I'm picturing the Walt Disney statue, but uh, Stanley is walking, he's holding hands with the little Incredible Hulk. Spider Man is sitting on his shoulder, and most of all, I want him to be holding up Thor's hammer. Oh, he's got to. He was <laughs> Stanley was worthy. I want his statue to be holding that Thor's hammer. Well put. Um, 
long podcast, but what are you going to do, man? Mark asked a question about Dwayne Ludwig, and we went down. I mean, we just, we're just going to tag this the Stan Lee podcast, because if you go on Reddit, the top, like, 28 posts are about Stan Lee. Time to get those clicks, boys. Exactly. Um, thank you all for listening. Be back next week where we're going to... I think there's a UFC card, too, honestly. Um, maybe. Let's say yes, because I think there's one every week. Um, possibly headlined by Curtis Blades and Francis Ngannou, which I will watch them fight. I promise that much. Maybe we'll talk about Chuck and Tito's. Maybe Stefan can convince us otherwise. Um, we'll be back next week. Thank you all for listening. As I mentioned, uh, if you guys want to try to help these poor people out with these wildfires, I'm sure you can go on the Red Cross website. Um, and uh, just, you know, thoughts and prayers for everybody. I just saw thoughts and prayers do nothing, but wishing them all the best. But if you can donate, redcross.com, you know, check it out. So, anyway. See you guys next week. Peace out. See you later. later.